Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, world leaders meet in person for the first time in more than a year, uniting to end the century's worst crisis, the coronavirus pandemic. The G7 summit kicks off with the official photo as leaders of the West match President Biden's pledge a billion vaccine doses for low-income countries. Plus, a royal affair, dinner with the Queen, and the First Lady's Day with the Duchess of Cambridge. Abuse of power? Tonight, the Justice Department's Inspector General opens an investigation into reports the Trump administration secretly seized phone data from House Democrats. Destroying doses, why 60 million Johnson & Johnson COVID shots reportedly need to be trashed. And we're in Oklahoma tonight to understand why it has one of the lowest vaccination rates. Setting sail with the big summer cruise season kicking off. Cruise lines are desperate to get back to the open seas. And how two passengers tested positive on a voyage where adults were required to be vaccinated. Extreme drought. The West is drying up at historic rates as farmers are concerned about their future. Alzheimer's drug fallout. Why three doctors who advised the FDA resigned in protest after a new drug was approved. And talk about burning love. CBS's Steve Hartman on how an entire community saved a couple's special day. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you for joining us on this Friday night. We're going to begin tonight with face-to-face diplomacy back on the global stage. President Biden and the G7 allies have wrapped up their first day of meetings and had dinner hosted by the Queen. It all began with elbow bumps between President Biden and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. The seven world leaders were all smiles as the group posed for the customary family photo. And in a sign of unity, America and its allies are pledging to donate a billion COVID vaccine shots for lower-income nations. 
nations. At a reception with the royal family, Mr. Biden became the 13th U.S. president to meet Queen Elizabeth. And earlier, First Lady Jill Biden visited a school with Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge. Of course, next week, the president's European visit takes on a much more serious tone when he meets with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, in Geneva. There's a lot of ground to cover tonight, and CBS's Nancy Cordes is going to lead us off from Cornwall, England. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening, Nora. A young Senator Biden first met the Queen back in 1982. Tonight, 39 years later, she and the rest of the royal family rolled out the red carpet for now President Biden and the rest of the G7 leaders. A royal reception tonight for President Biden and other world leaders who dined with Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles and Camilla, and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge here in Cornwall. Here we go, everybody. It's the first time in nearly two years that the heads of the G7 nations have been able to meet in person. They welcomed the newest head of state into the fold before sitting down for the first of three days of talks about China, Russia, trade, taxes, and COVID. I actually think this is a meeting that genuinely needs to happen because we need to make sure that we learn the lessons from the pandemic. Jointly, the seven leaders announced a commitment to donate one billion vaccine doses to lower-income countries by the end of next year. A show of unity and shared priorities ahead of Mr. Biden's meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin next week. What's your message to Putin? President Biden has described this summit as a reset after a turbulent four years for the G7 alliance. Karen Pierce was in the room yesterday for Mr. Biden's meeting with the British Prime Minister. She's the British ambassador to the U.S. We hear President Biden and Prime Minister Johnson say America is back. Was America gone? I don't think so, but I think it's fair to say that there were some people around the world who did wonder if that implicit, generous uh, undertaking from America to keep the world safe, was that really there uh, anymore? These face-to-face -face meetings, White House aides say, are a welcome change for a president who likes to think of his role as diplomat-in-chief, but who until now has mostly had to settle with the phone and Zoom. Nora? Nancy Cordes, thank you. And this programming note will broadcast the CBS Evening News from Geneva for the U.S.-Russia Summit. Our coverage will begin next week. And we are learning more tonight about just how far the Trump administration might have gone to hunt down the source of leaks, seizing phone records from congressional Democrats. And now the Justice Department's Inspector General will investigate if it was politically motivated. Here's CBS's Jeff Begay's. The seized phone logs date back to 2017 and 2018, as the House Intelligence Committee's Russia investigation was underway. President Trump wanted to know where the leaks were coming from. Justice Department prosecutors secretly subpoenaed phone information from Apple for Democrats Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff and people close to them, including a minor. It's a another terrible abuse of the Justice Department Another shattering of the norms uh, since Watergate. Schiff had been a frequent target of the president. And shifty Schiff, how about this guy? Attorney General William Barr continued the leak investigation and stumbled when asked by then-Senator Kamala Harris if the president or anyone at the White House had ordered him to open an investigation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, yes or no? 
you, could you repeat that question? I don't know. I wouldn't say suggest. Hinted. I, I don't know. Former Republican Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez says the phone record subpoenas are troubling. So based on what you know, was, was that contrary to DOJ policy? What is being reported is certainly, if not contrary to policy, certainly inconsistent with the finest traditions of the department. And Jeff joins us now. So what will this independent investigator at the Department of Justice be looking for? Well, the bottom line is, is that this inspector general will look into whether the Trump administration used the DOJ as a weapon against the president's political enemies. Also, Nora, Senate Democrats want AGs William Barr and Jeff Sessions to testify on Capitol Hill. We'll see if that happens. All right, Jeff Begays, thank you. Well, tonight the U.S. is approaching 600,000 confirmed COVID deaths and could hit that milestone this weekend. There's also been another major setback for Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine. We get more now from CBS's Omar Villafranca. Tonight, more troubling news for Johnson & Johnson. The FDA reportedly telling J&J &J 60 million doses produced at the Emergent Biosolutions factory are possibly contaminated and need to be thrown out. J&J &J had promised to deliver 100 million doses by the end of May. But as of mid-June, fewer than 22 million have actually shipped. States haven't received anything in a month. Vaccine supply, though, not a problem. Millions of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are available, but demand is way down, like in Oklahoma. We were able to get up to about 15,000 vaccines a day, and now we're right around 2,000 a day. So we are so much farther below capacity. In the race to vaccinate, Oklahoma ranks near the bottom. Just 54% of adults have had at least one dose. Nationwide, it's 64%. Oklahoma now has 75,000 doses of unused J&J &J vaccine that expire in August and 26,000 unused Pfizer doses set to expire at the end of the month. What do you think is still fueling the hesitancy? There has been an anti-vaccine movement um, and it's actually quite strong here in Oklahoma, unfortunately. But some aren't holding back. There's no reason to be skeptical. I felt like it was my due diligence to go ahead and get vaccinated. We do need to race against the risk of a resurgence. We need to get that number as high as we can before the fall so we don't have a reemergence COVID. State health officials are pushing for younger adults to get vaccinated by the fall before classes start up again, like here at the University of Oklahoma, and before the start of the college football season, where many stadiums will be back to full capacity. Nora? Omar Villafranca, thank you. Tonight, there's disturbing new details emerging about the man who shot and killed a woman and her one-year-old grandchild in a Florida supermarket. The sheriff says there were warnings, repeated threats by the man all over social media. We get more now from CBS's Manuel Bohorkas. Tonight, the chilling new details of a grandmother and her one-year-old grandson gunned down. It happened yesterday morning just after 11.30 a.m. in this Publix produce aisle. The grandmother parked her grandson in the shopping cart and was looking at items when the 55-year-old suspect, Timothy Wall, walked up. Who was shooting? Who was shooting? He shot the one-year-old first and then turned toward the grandmother. The grandma instinctively jumps in and is trying to stop him. She struggles with him. Uh, his gun jams. She was able, he was able to overpower her, push her down to the ground, and he shoots her down while she's on the ground. 
Wall then turned the gun on himself. The carnage was over in less than four minutes. The suspect did not know the victims. There was a chance this could be stopped. You know why? The reason is he's on Facebook. He has said, I want to kill people and children. You think a damn soul told us about that? No. There is now a growing memorial for the victims outside this public store where deputies say surveillance cameras captured the entire incident. They say the suspect had declared bankruptcy earlier this year, his ex-wife telling them he had recently started to act strangely. Nora. Many Bajorquez, thank you. Cruise ships are expected to resume sailing from U.S. waters in two weeks, but tonight we're learning that two passengers who were vaccinated have tested positive for COVID on a ship in the Caribbean. CBS's Errol Barnett has more. Two roommates on this celebrity ship under isolation tonight after testing positive for COVID on board. The company, which requires proof of vaccination, says this, quote, demonstrates that our rigorous health and safety protocols work. Within a matter of hours, they tested more than 200 passengers. Travel writer Ashley Koshulik had to quarantine for 13 hours. She has since tested negative. If everyone on board hadn't been vaccinated, I think the people who were positive would have spread it. The CDC recommends 95% of crew and passengers be vaccinated, a lightning rod in the two busiest states for cruises. The Republican governors of Florida and Texas are declaring vaccine requirements illegal and subject to fines. Vaccine passports are now prohibited. Attorney Michael Winkleman makes a living suing cruise lines, That's but supports the, the stricter CDC protocols. The governor doesn't have any authority to regulate how they operate and what they choose to do. In spite of the COVID scare, Kashaluk feels safe. This was supposed to be your anticipated return to cruise life. Has it ruined everything? No, in fact, it has eliminated just about any doubt that I might have had. Now behind me, you see Carnival's biggest vessel, the Mardi Gras, which is scheduled to resume service with U.S. passengers at the end of next month as all the major cruise lines get going again. But that's if the legal disputes here and in Texas are resolved. If not, Nora, these companies do have the luxury to launch these vessels from ports in other states. Errol Barnett, thank you. And the governor of Utah says his state is in the grips of what may be its worst drought on record. This week, he imposed tough new restrictions on watering lawns, banned fireworks on state land, and even looked to the heavens for help. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Tonight, Utah's Great Salt Lake is drying up at historic rates as more than 90% of the state is crippled by extreme drought. Marinas have been abandoned and plumes of lake bed dust have prompted air quality warnings. Utah's governor now asking people to pray for rain. What do you say to critics, even those who are faithful, who say Utah needs more than prayer, they need long-standing water management policy in place? Well, what I say is they're absolutely right. Utah is the second driest state in the country, but has some of the highest public water consumption per capita. The governor has imposed water restrictions, but some say it comes too late. Every drop we save now is a drop we will have later. Here, you feel just a little bit helpless. Sixth generation farmer Ron Gibson has 70% less water this year. He won't plant hundreds of acres of crops. Your family's been doing this for 152 years. That's many generations. Do you worry that this is the last generation of farming in your family? You know, I can't sleep at night and most nights because 
That's exactly the concern. About 95% of Utah's water comes from snowpack, and this year, there was little of it. We would be standing underwater had it been a normal water year. Zach Frankel, executive director of the Utah Rivers Council, warns the crisis in Utah will impact much of the West. The question is, are state leaders willing to accept that this is not a short-term drought, but that this is long-term climate change? And this is what scientists mean when they say most of the West is in a mega drought. Utah's Great Salt Lake lived up to its name last year. Nora, where I'm standing right now, I should be submerged in water. Wow, that says it all. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. The FDA made big news this week, approving the first new drug to treat Alzheimer's disease in nearly two decades. But since then, three members of an advisory panel that voted against the drug's approval have stepped down, calling the process a sham and one of the worst FDA approvals ever. The doctors say there's no evidence that the drug works. All right, tonight, thousands of homes and businesses in Puerto Rico are still without power after an explosion and fire at a substation run by Luma Energy. That's a private company that took over the electrical utility this month. At the height of the blackout, about 900,000 customers were without power. Officials are investigating whether the fire is linked to a cyber attack on the power company. All right, today the Pulitzer Prizes were announced and they include a special citation for Darnella Frazier. She's the Minnesota teenager who captured George Floyd's desperate last moments of life. Her video ignited the global protest movement against police violence and was the key piece of evidence that resulted in Derek Chauvin's murder conviction. In any marriage, there are challenges. You just don't expect them in the very first hour. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Bride and groom Elizabeth and Jake Landon say their wedding was like a fairy tale. Was. The ceremony was perfect. You may kiss your bride. Everything we could have dreamed of. Until. So my dad was doing his father of the bride speech and just a minute in, Hi. he was interrupted by some of our guests. House on fire. And that was the end of that. The cottage right next to their wedding venue on Mackinac Island, Michigan, caught fire, and everyone had to evacuate the area. This is a picture of the newly fleds abandoning their reception. I didn't know where we were going. I just figured we had to walk away from that. So we just started heading towards the church. The church where they'd just been married. This time, they prayed for everyone's safety. And in the end, no one was hurt, and even the building was saved. Seemed like the only thing that couldn't be salvaged was their wedding day. But unbeknownst to the bride and groom, while they were in that church praying, angels were swooping in from all over town. We needed to step up and do the right thing. First, the chef at the venue took all 120 meals, which were only partially prepared, okay. and instructed his staff to get them out. We just ran with it ran those meals to the restaurant next door. We just cooked it, sauced it, and off down the street it went. Down the street to a resort that had an event space available. Everyone offered how could they help, and we started just pulling everything that we had. And what they didn't have, yet another restaurant provided. So we got it all on a card and pushed it down Main Street. That's the other thing. It's gonna be great. Mackinac Island doesn't have cars, so this whole migration was done manually powered by sheer will and the kindness of strangers, like the bellhop who volunteered to be a bartender. 
And because of everyone's efforts, in less than an hour, the bride was back to blushing. And what did you charge for this help? Um, nothing. I didn't charge him anything. Nothing? No. To have them pick up a reception out of ashes in a very literal sense made the wedding better than we ever could have imagined. And, and one that, well, we don't necessarily recommend. <laughs> it's a day and an experience that we'll cherish forever. A perfect wedding, after all. Steve Hartman, on the road, on Mackinac Island, Michigan. A wedding day they will never forget, all centered around love. Sunday on Face the Nation, guests include Maine Senator Susan Collins, former White House COVID advisor Andy Slavitt, and Dr. Scott Gottlieb. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. Have a great weekend and good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 